are blessed. The Bible makes us to understand in the parable of the sower that there are four different types of hearts. And the heart is actually the place that is called the soil of the word of God. It is the soil for the word. So the sower went about sowing seed and then it fell on different types of soil. But then when Jesus was giving the exposition of that parable, he said that each heart represents a type. Each soil represents a type of heart. So you and I have the responsibility to decree and declare that your heart, my heart, is productive unto the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. There is nothing like purity of heart. Because the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. For it is when you have a pure heart, you are opened to see the Lord. If you want to have an exposition of the Father, if you want to see Jesus for who he really is, the prerequisite is a pure heart. Tell someone a pure heart. Amen. Bless the name of the Lord for who he is to us. By the special grace of God, our pastor is not here today. Please let us reach out to him. He is going to be ministering in Lynchburg today. Please reach out to him. Amen. Um, I honor him in his absence. I honor our grandpa, our grandfathers, our mothers, grandmothers, our elders. God bless you. Leaders, God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God bless you too. God bless you too. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. But you know, we in this dispensation and generation have become that very same dwelling place. So someone just lift up your hands and say, Father, I am glad because you have found me to be your dwelling place. Amen. So we will be sharing today. Chosen to reveal his glory. Two weeks ago, we started this series called A Chosen Generation. And today we'll be focusing on the topic, Chosen to reveal his glory. Let us quickly open to 2 Chronicles chapter 5 from verse, uh, verse 14. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we'll be reading from verses 1 to 3. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14. And 2 Chronicles chapter 7 from verses 1 to 3. If you are there, just shout hallelujah. So, okay. We would first go with 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14, and then we will read 2 Chronicles chapter 7 from verses 1 to 3. So 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14 says this. So that the priests, I'll read from verse, uh, I'll read from verse...
13. It says this, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. Verse 14, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. But the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Someone just said the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Now, very quickly, Second Chronicles chapter 7 from verses 1 to 3. When Solomon had finished praying, we see here that starting from chapter, starting from chapter 5, they were already preparing the temple that they had built. It says, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Someone say, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. So we see here in these few scriptures that there was a dedication. Something was about to happen. And then when these things the temple of God had been built and then the priests had consecrated themselves and they came into order. You see, in the first, at first, the priests just came into order and all of a sudden, worship came upon them. But because they were in one accord, the glory of God began to saturate the atmosphere and they could not stand. They had to fall. But then, immediately after the king had given the prayer, consecrating the temple unto the ministry of God, we see that fire came down from heaven consumed the sacrifices and then the glory of God filled the atmosphere once again and then the people could not do anything we see here that glory glory is the manifestation or the weight that the presence of someone brings now when you look at that word glory that word, the, the, the Hebrew word is called weight and now any of us that understand what weight is? Weight means that there is a measure of something. There is a constituent material that is causing something to be heavy. Because without something, without matter, there can be no weight. Without matter, there can be no weight. If, for example, if I am holding nothing, it means there is nothing that is weighing on my hands. If you have scales, for those of us who remember how they used to weigh things back in the day, if you don't put anything on any of the scales, there will be no movement. Why? Because there is no weight. But if you put, for example, even something as small as a feather, once that scale is sensitive enough, you will notice that that scale can measure the weight of a feather. Anything that has substance has weight. 
Amen? Now, when we say glory, that word means that there is a weight. That And that weight, what it manifests as is because of what that particular substance is made of. So you could say that glory is the expression of a thing due to its elements, what it's made up of. It's the manifestation of an entity's essence. So the essence of a thing declares its glory. The essence of a thing declares its glory. So now when we all come together and say, ah, our God is glorious. Our God is glorious. What we are saying is what makes God God far exceeds our capacity to conceive. So when the worship leader was saying that there is no measurement, it's practically saying that, Lord, you are just too glorious to to put you in a box. I cannot understand the the, the extent at which your width describes. You are just too far from my comprehension. Amen? And when we talk about the glory of a country or the glory of a kingdom, for example, when we think about the glory of America, amen, what, do, what comes to mind? Economic strength, military might, leadership potential for the world. The glory of a country could be seen in what makes that country. What, when, when, when you think of that country, or when you think of that nation, or when you think of that kingdom, what is perceived forms in your heart. Amen? And so when we think about our kingdom, someone say, our kingdom. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, when Jesus was teaching the Lord's Prayer, he says, Thine is the kingdom, the glory, and the power. Jesus there is saying, this kingdom, the definition of this kingdom is glory, is power. So when you think of the kingdom of God, you think glory, you think power. Someone say, I think Glory. I think power. I have glory. I have power. I see glory. I see power. Why is glory important to the believer? Let us quickly go to John chapter 17 verse 1. John chapter 17 verse 1. John chapter 17 verse 1 says this. Oh Lord Jesus. He says, Jesus spoke these words. Now, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. And then, he spoke these words. Lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify Amen? Glorify your son so that your son can glorify you. You cannot give what hasn't been given to you. If you haven't received glory from God 
I promise you there is no way you can glorify him. Anything done outside the measure that God supplies is done by the flesh. Someone said this kingdom is a kingdom of glory and of power. You cannot give God glory if he hasn't furnished you with glory. Remember, he is the source of all things. And also, the Bible makes us to understand that we have died. It is no longer we that lives, but Christ that lives through us. So everything that flows out of us must flow through him unto the Lord. So that anyone who comes in contact with us must have smelled the fragrance of the person that dwells within. So that the constituent element of what pervades our atmosphere would be the one who rules and reigns in the affairs of man. Amen? Hmm. Someone shout, Jesus is Lord. Another reason is this. John chapter 17 verses 21 to 23. John chapter 17 from verses 21 to 23. It says, this is Jesus still praying. And this time he's praying for all believers. He says that they all may be one. Someone shouts that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which you gave to me, I have given. Someone shout that glory which you gave to me, I have given them. The glory which you gave to me, I have given them. Someone shout, I receive all the glory that you have given me. Brothers and sisters, don't let the devil cheat you out of what God has given you. Don't let false humility put you in that place where you will be, you'll be naked before the enemy. I tell you and I promise you, brothers and sisters, that when, I remember when I, um, I, I grew up, I was always afraid to say, Lord, I receive your glory. I was always afraid. And that's because of wrong interpretation of scripture. Someone raise up your hands. Lord, I receive everything that you have freely given to me. Father, forgive me for my ignorance. So we see here in verses 21 to 23 that what he gave, we haven't finished reading that scripture, please. And then he goes on to say, even he says, and the glory which you have given me, given me, I have given them that they may be one. Someone say that we may be one. You see, the glory of God comes that we might be united. Whenever you find out that people are having contention, it is because someone there has forgotten that what reigns in them is the glory of God. 
Someone there has forgotten that what is energizing them is the divine grace that God gives. Because when you begin to forget that it is God that rules and reigns in you, you begin to see the other person as a different entity, and then you begin to have contentions. But when you recognize that it is the same God that dwells in my brother, that dwells in me, then I know that everything the both of us does, we are doing it by the grace of God unto God. Someone shout, hallelujah! What I do! Say, say it, what I do! I do unto the Lord by the grace of God. And what I do, I do for my brother. I do for my sister. Unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Please let us keep on reading that scripture. We haven't yet finished. And then he says, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. He says this, that it is Christ in us. And then he further says, and you in me. Remember, he said that the father was in Christ Jesus, reconciling all men back unto him. So it is Jesus in us. But then remember that Jesus also said, it is the father that does the works. So Jesus comes to live in us, makes us one with him, and then helps us so that we too will do greater works. He said, you shall do greater works than this because I go back to the father. And then he now says that we are one. I am one in him. He is one in me. And we are one with each other. He is teaching us here the principle of networking. And anytime you see a body of believers being ineffective, it's because someone has refused to recognize his place in the body. Either through high-mindedness, either through hypocrisy, it can even be through fear, intimidation, doubt. But when we recognize that everything that God has planted in you is meant for the benefit of all. Can I share, can I share an interesting story? <laughs> One day I was praying to God and there was an experience. I'm not going to go into details. And then here I am saying, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for blessing me. And then all of a sudden, he said, I didn't, I didn't give you anything. I first I, I sat down. I actually sat down. I said, did I have a false experience? You want to know what he said? He said, I didn't give it to you. I gave it to my church. That humbled me. Now, when you begin to recognize that nothing you possess is yours, your desire is to make sure that every, everyone gets everything that he has given. Everyone gets everything that he has given. That is when you are giving him glory. When everyone comes in contact with you, you are blessed with an analytical mind. Not a worldly analytical mind, but you know that this thing is divine. And then you keep it to yourself. Or use it to establish yourself. And then you think about the church and you forget the church. You forget his kingdom. You forget your brothers and your sisters. I know a lot of us always think money. Forget about money for now. Yes, money is important, but forget about money. You are the most important resource in this kingdom. 
Do you know that when the, the father, when God and the devil were contending, when they said, I've, I've seen my servant Job. God was bragging. There is someone there that gives me glory. That pleases me. He was saying, there is someone there. Then the devil was saying, forget about Job. It's because you are blessing him. You can see there, when the Bible says in Ephesians, his glorious inheritance in the saints, you see, you are the prize. There is a contention for someone to brag about you. Is it him? Forget about him. He just speaks in tongues. I know him. He's my own. <laughs> See, <laughs> when the Bible says they shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes, that power was just a seed. It was just the glory that have been given so that we all can be partakers of the divine nature. Now, what you do with that seed depends on you. This kingdom thing is, is a humbling thing, oh, where each and every one of us have to keep ensuring that whatever we do, we are doing unto him. It is a humbling thing, a very humbling thing. Do you, you see, the mistake that we make is that we keep thinking that Adam and Eve, the challenges that they had, we are not exposed to those challenges. There was a garden with two trees. We are always facing diverse opinions. You and I are always being challenged between making the right choice and going the way of the Holy Ghost and the Word. And doing that which pleases darkness. You are given that option when you have the opportunity to backbite. You are given that option when you have the opportunity to help someone. You are always given that option. You and I are always given that option. But what we do, the choices we make, who we yield to, would reveal the person that we are glorifying. I know he's humble. He's humbling. Very humbling. Because when we think about it, all we think about is come to church, raise my hands, and shout five hallelujahs, and then the glory of God falls. Please, we haven't yet finished. That they may be made perfect, mature, and that the world may know that you the glory is meant to empower you to become a witness and has loved them as thou hast loved me. It is there to witness that the same love that Jesus had with the Father is the same love that you and I have with him. He doesn't love you any less than he loved him. He came that you might receive a witness that you might be a witness of that same glory. Amen? Aren't you glad? 
Such a big God gave us the same thing that is within himself. Aren't you glad? Someone say, I love you, Lord. Amen. So he came and that that glory might bear forth a witness of our oneness with Christ and our oneness with one another. Oh, Lord Jesus. How does a believer get glory? Firstly, oneness and unity. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14. The priests were in one accord and they were singing. Oh, he is good. And his mercies shall endure. You are good. And your mercies shall endure. And then the glory of God filled the temple. We see the same thing, something similar in Acts, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And I'll quickly read. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Hmm. And then he says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And before there, we see that what happened was uh, uh, Peter and all the disciples came together, and then they began to pray. And then it mentions the names of all the disciples and all the people that came together to gather to pray. And then afterwards, they chose someone who would take the place of uh, uh, Judas Iscariot. Thank you, sir. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. You see, the Bible is always filled with parables. And it starts out with a type of of what God would typically do when the fullness of time came to bear. So, at the time of Moses, the time of uh, Solomon, we see that what first happens is that they first go into a place of consecration. They ensure that they do everything based on what God has said. And then immediately, immediately they are consecrated, fully consecrated unto the Lord. Immediately they are fully Focusing on what God has decreed. What happens is that first of all, there will be glory and then fire will come and consume the sacrifices. Amen? Fire will consume the sacrifices. So we see something similar here. Jesus went into the Holy of Holies in the heavens and then there was consecration. But then the people, the priests, no, we are the kingdom of priests. The priests consecrated themselves. They dedicated themselves to prayer. They came into that environment and began to focus on God. And then the next thing that happens is because they have become living sacrifices, fire comes down from heaven upon them. And then they begin to see the manifestation of God's glory with utterance. 
And then all of a sudden, Peter receives boldness and begins to testify of what God has done. Don't you do and say, you are that temple. You are that temple. So we see here that oneness and unity has to occur. Colossians chapter 1 verse 24 to 27 makes us understand that it is Christ in us that is the hope of glory. Christ in us. And that when you understand Christ in you and I, the revelation of that helps you to understand that we are the glorious inheritance of the Father. The glorious inheritance of the Father. And then, the final thing is that you receive glory when you consecrate yourselves. And I would like us to go to Exodus chapter 40 from verses 1 to 8. Let us read that at home. Exodus chapter 40 from verses 1 to 38. And do you see here that Moses was in total obedience to God. He had obeyed the Lord by building the temple. He arranged everything the way God had described it. And he even went ahead and consecrated Aaron, his sons, as priests unto the Lord. And then when we quickly, very quickly, I'll just try to read uh, verses 34 to 38. Exodus chapter 40 from verses 34 to 38. And it says this. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting. And the glory of God filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting. Because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of God filled the tabernacle. Wherever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. You see, as I said, types and shadows, you are never meant to do anything without the glory of God. It is meant to be that thing that leads you. It is meant to be that protective shield and that protective covering. Because we have become that temple. Someone say, you are the temple of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the temple of God. And then it says, in verse 37, it says, but if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. There's a restricting factor to the glory of God. See, when you begin to experience and enjoy it, you wouldn't want to do anything that would take it away from you. Because you recognize that everything you do, you do not do by your own ability. Because you know that when you were on your own, you failed and you failed miserably. So, you have an understanding of what grace is and what that glory is. Because you can tell the difference. He says, for the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day. And fire was over it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel. Throughout all their journeys. You might not be able to see it. But you and I are clothed with a divine substance that cannot be contradicted by anything that has been developed here. A divine energy flows through you and I. A divine substance that has not been developed in even the minds of men. 
It is what God has given to us freely, not cheaply, because there was a price that was paid, but it was given freely to you and I, just so that we all would be equipped to give him glory. Because he wants this kingdom to be magnified. He says, I and those that are for me are what? For signs and wonders. When they see us, they must recognize that there is something about these people that cannot be found anywhere. It cannot be bought in the market. It cannot be taught in schools. But it can only be received in my presence. And finally, the hindrances. I'll just try and read this. Hindrances to the glory of God. First is idols. You see here that John, if you go through the epistles of John, he will keep saying, dear children, stay away from idols. Idols. And when God says in uh, Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. So there he's saying he will not glorify, he will not give that which makes him God. He will not give that identity to a carved image. So, when he says he will not give his glory to another, please complete it, to carved images. He will not give it to idols. Amen. Also, Isaiah chapter 48 verse 11 says, For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? I will not give my glory to another. Here he's stamping his foot of authority, saying, whatever is associated with me must be glorified. For my own name's sake, I will ensure that it is glorified. My glory will not be given to defeat. It will not be given to sickness. It will not be given to anything. My glory would always be given to me. My glory would always be given to me. Now, the second hindrance to the glory of God is the flesh. God's glory will not come on anything that has been built by the principles of that, those things that exalt the flesh. So, if it is that someone here wants to be higher than another person or wants to be adored in the eyes of another person, the Bible says he will not give his glory. Now, you have to understand that when, if you build something by the principles of Babylon, there is no way the glory of Zion will go there. Remember that in the Psalms, it says, they asked us to sing a song, the songs of Zion. <laughs> he said, by the rivers of Babylon, right? They asked us to sing the songs of Zion. But we had already hung up our harps. <laughs> in a foreign land, how can we give the glory of God? How can we magnify the glory of God? in the faces of another people, so that they will look in disdain at it. The glory of God would not magnify that which does not praise God. The glory of God is only used to magnify the Lord. And whenever the glory of God, whenever you test the glory of God, because they are just against each other, you find out that death occurs. That was what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. The glory of God was reigning in that church at that time, at that point in time. But then they wanted to receive 
glory by saying we sold the land. Come and give us a new name. They wanted a glory. They wanted to be adored in the eyes of men. And because of that, judgment came upon them swiftly. God's glory does not bless the flesh. If you see God's glory, it kills it. It edifies the spirit. Someone say, I surrender to you, O Lord. I surrender to you, O Lord. First Corinthians chapter 6, from verses 9 to 20. Please, we can read this at home, but I'm just going to read verses 19 and 20. It says, verses 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Verse 20. For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Remember, the only reason why you can glorify God in your body and in your spirit is because that hope of glory, Christ, dwells within you. And he has given you that divine ability to do that which God alone can do. Let us rise up on our feet. We bless you, King of Kings. We bless you, Lord of Lords. We magnify you. Someone bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We bless you, Father. We honor you and we magnify you. You are holy. You are divine. We come, O oh Lord, in submission to all that you are and all that you have done. O oh, Father. Let everything that proceeds from us, O oh Lord, be all that you have given. Father, that you might be magnified, that you might be exalted. Let your name, O oh Lord, consistently advance, O oh Lord, as the name that is above every name. Let everything that we do consistently magnify the principles of your kingdom, the holiness, the purity, the consecration, the love, the compassion, the mercy, ah, Father, that you, O oh Lord, would be exalted. Oh, Makajehidash, let your blessings reign in your church. Let your name be magnified. Let your word be exalted. So, Father, we bless you and we give you praise. We give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. As many as are here, O Lord, who have a desire for your glory to be seen, Father, we pray that your glory shall be released from them to adore you. In the name of Jesus. If you're here and you have not received Christ Jesus, or you have a desire to move in your walk, you know you have, you have departed from the way, and you know that all you hear is Ichabod, the glory has departed. I promise you, the Lord desires for you to walk in His ways. And His Spirit is here calling on you to re return unto Him. He's calling on you to return unto Him. If you are here, just raise up your hands and we're going to pray. And I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Okay, I see you, my brother. I'm just going to pray with you. If you are here and you want to have a relationship with the Lord, if you are here, and you want to have a relationship with the Lord. You want a restored relationship. 
Just raise up your hands. Okay, I see you, my brother. I ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Just raise up your hands. Raise it higher. If you are here and you want to have a relationship and you... Okay. Um, okay, I see you, my sister. God bless you. Father, put that hand on your chest. Just put it on your chest. If you are here, you want to pray the prayer with us for a restored relationship, put that hand on your chest. And just begin to talk to the Lord. Tell the Lord how much you love him. Tell the Lord how much you see that you need him. You need him. Tell him how much you need him. How much you want his word and his spirit to be your guide. How much you want to be clothed in glory. Speak in your own words. And begin to repent. Say, I repent from all my ways. I ask for your strength to walk in holiness and impurity. I ask for your grace to empower me. I ask that you will be the one that is exalted in my life. Begin to talk to him because he is that friend that speaks, that is closer to you than a brother. He's close to you. He's close to you. And he loves you with everything that is within him. Begin to just confess your love to him. So just repeat these words after me. Father, King of glory, I have come before you asking that your blood cleanses me from all my sin. Father, have mercy upon me and let your grace begin to strengthen me that I might walk in your ways and that I might be called by your name. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you because today I am born again. Not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of the living God. If you believe it, just shout hallelujah. Please let us rejoice on behalf of our brothers and our sisters. Please, I plead with you, if you, okay, you, you took account of them. God bless you. Um, can we all, still in the mood of prayer, begin to thank God for this time that we have? We're about to go into the place of communion. Amen. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory sheds on the way while we do good will he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey trust and obey for the 
has no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obey, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I sense in my spirit that someone needs to hear that. Forget about your ways. Forget about what you think is right. Trust the word of God. Obey the word of God. That is where joy in him resides. Amen. 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 